This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is midday Thursday, January the 23rd, 2020, right here on the Built by Bama online podcast. It's time once again for T-Watts and T-R on this Thursday. I'm Travis Ryer. He is Tim Watts. We are here to cover a myriad of topics, uh, mostly related to University of Alabama athletics. We like to get off the path a little bit, though, so we'll wander around and go down some various rabbit holes. Who knows uh, where they'll take us. But, uh, Tim, you ready to get things going on this Thursday? Yeah, I am, man. It's a terrible day. It's cold. It's wet. It's a weird week. So, yeah, this will be the, probably be the highlight of my day. It's a good day to podcast is what it is. And, you know, Absolutely. And as uh, we get going here on T. Watts and T.R., I think we got to start with probably the the biggest storyline, certainly from the Alabama football perspective here in the last three or four days. And that involving the arrival, uh, the return, I guess you could say, of Freddie Roach, the former Alabama middle linebacker support staffer previously under Nick Saban in a couple of different capacities. And Tim, I think we need to go ahead and jump into what Roach's return means right now from a recruiting perspective, uh, because that is the hot topic as we approach this uh, late signing period. And obviously uh, his connection with McKinley Jackson, the four-star defensive tackle from Loosedale, Mississippi. Uh, Let's start right there, Tim. Yeah. You know, Freddie, that story was weird for us to cover because it always, you know, it's always weird with the coaching change at Alabama, because Nick Saban doesn't really tell anybody anything. You know, there's never an official announcement, and, and you know, we knew this. We had this on BOL for a couple of days that it, it was going to be Freddie Barnett, you know, a complete change to heart. And with any co- coaching change, that can happen. We've seen guys take jobs. Uh, Georgia ended up with the guy that took a job at North Carolina for 10 days and ended up at Georgia. So some of these guys move around really were waiting to see that telltale sign. And for me, you know, covering recruiting and for you too, covering it so many years, we wait for that moment where we see that new coach in that Alabama gear recruiting for his new school. So that finally was confirmed Tuesday night for us. But um, yeah, I mean, Freddie, Freddie's a guy, I mean, you know, the biggest impact right out of the gate is going to be with McKinley Jackson. I mean, Ole Miss wasn't really in the picture for McKinley Jackson. He's a, he's a monster dancing bear, interior defensive lineman from Mississippi and to many people, he's a number one prospect left on their board uh, in the late period. Eighty percent of the kids signed in the early period. This kid's really good regardless. Um, but you take away that 80 percent and he's really a need. And you never can have too many defensive linemen. I've never heard a uh, staff say, nah, we're good on defensive linemen. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll add, you know, they'll add them. They're like me. They're like me finishing off nachos and chips. I'm just going to keep going. So, um, yeah, Freddie's a big impact guy with with um with mckinley i mean pete golding had already did a great job there brian baker had helped out there as well pete had a really good relationship i talked to some people near mckinley and he said that's possibly his favorite two coaches now Ole miss wasn't in the picture because he just wasn't didn't want to stay in the state didn't want to go to Ole miss at the time 
but having Freddie there and having Pete now, you know, working, you know, working him and, and recruiting him, that's a, that's a big deal, I'm told. And uh, it would make sense. And last night, initially, Nick Saban was going in home, or the schedule, the early schedule was Nick Saban was going in home today to see McKinley. And he still got two official visits. He's going to LSU this coming weekend, and he's going to um, uh, Texas A&M the last weekend. And Alabama was doing an in-home tonight. Uh, that was the plan before Freddie Roach was official. And now Freddie Roach and Pete Golden went and saw McKinley last night, Wednesday night. And now Nick Saban, Freddie, Pete, maybe some more will go in and see him next weekend after the LSU visit. The last weekend, week you'll be able to see anybody before the signing period. Yeah, so there is very much a game plan that involves Freddie Roach in that uh, in that uh, attack almost on McKinley Jackson. You said it too. I mean, McKinley Jackson, when you're talking about rating atop the recruiting board, you're not just talking about Alabama's, right? I mean, LSU, you know, these programs, they all have this defensive tackle uh, at at or near the the very top of their boards at this point. Oh, yeah. I think this is a guy, I mean, you look, Georgia came in late, offered him Texas A&M, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn. I think anybody with a scholarship available for defense that's are bookmarked for best available um, would, would consider this guy. I mean, he's a big-time talent. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's just a monster. Uh, you know, he's another 300-plus pounder that can move, put those paws on you. He's very similar to Tim Smith, you know, the Alabama mm-hmm. commitment from Florida. I'm very, very high on Tim. And, um, you know, McKinley's in that realm because he just moves the crowd. He, he's like an old rapper. He just moves the crowd. He he puts his hands on you, you get out of his way. He's going to draw double teams. He's strong. He's quick, not just for that size, but he's quick in general. Yeah. So he's definitely a big-time prospect. And Freddie overall, you know, you can. it's hard to judge a guy who's at Ole Miss under the, under the cloud they were under. But everybody seems to think he does a good job on the recruiting trail. And um, obviously being in Alabama is going to be a little bit more uh, to his advantage. Yeah, Freddie did a nice job in helping to sort of develop Josiah Coatney and Benito Jones, a couple of Ole Miss defensive linemen who are down in Mobile this week as a part of the Senior Bowl. Uh, and, and perhaps that's what Freddie will be able to do, not only with uh, McKinley Jackson potentially, if he does end up in Tuscaloosa, but you said it, Tim Smith. And then you got some guys that, uh, that Freddie's going to inherit. Ishmael Softshire comes to mind, mm-hmm. uh, kind of raw, powerful young guy from Louisiana. Uh, you look at Ishmael Softshire, you see all the physical attributes just needs to be sort of cultivated, nurtured and brought along. So the finer points, the details of defensive line play. Uh, and that's, uh, that's something you hope Freddie brings with him from Oxford uh, as well. You said something too, Tim, I wanted you to expand on a little bit because we are at that point uh, in the proceedings with closing out recruiting classes, best player available. When you get to that point, what position, what kind of player are we talking about? You said defensive line, that's obviously a, a place of value, but also maybe just athletes in general, right? If a guy's 6'3", 6'4", 210, 220, even if you don't really know where he projects right now, is that the kind of guy that, that we're talking about in that scenario uh, too? Yeah, I think you look at that guy and you can take, you know, it's almost you can take a little bit more of a risk with the player. You know, Alabama's risk will be less. You know, big name schools like 
Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, you know, Georgia, the schools accrued at the top level, their risk is going to be less than another school. But, yeah, when you're talking about a guy that that can come in and he's sort of a little bit more of a projection, a little bit more of a risk factor, I mean, sometimes it'll be best available and he's just too – you know, it could be just too good to pass up. Athlete, and, yeah. But yes, when we saw that with Alabama, especially, you know, the highlight of that year, to me, the, the biggest, best example of that was um, – the year Alabama ended up taking Alvin Kamara as their fourth running back. He was too good to pass up. He was best available. He was a terrific athlete. So, yeah, when you get to that point, um, and that's the point you want to be in. You want to be at the point where you filled all your needs, and once you filled those needs that you're able to, uh, you know, just go take the best available, the guy you like the best. Yeah, we're going to get into more of a potential recruiting finish scenario for Alabama a little bit later in the program, and we are going to delve into that roundtable mailbag here on T-Watts and TR as well. But we're going to shift gears a little bit now. You had Alabama men's hoops on the floor at Memorial Gymnasium last night in Nashville, Tennessee, Tim, and this team under Nate Oates continues to look very, very impressive. A 15-point win in a gym that hasn't always been very friendly to the Crimson Tide. Tough place to play up there at Vandy. But Alabama pretty much wire to wire. Three straight conference wins now, Tim, all by double figures. Alabama has trailed for maybe three or four minutes combined in those wins over Auburn, Missouri, and Vanderbilt last night. And we're seeing the John Petty, man that I know you expected to see pretty much all along, but it's taken a little bit of time and perhaps as much as anything, a system fit now with Nate Oates that I can't think of a system that, that fits John Petty better than the one he's in right now. Five threes last night, Alabama made 10 for the game, um, able to overcome 25 turnovers. I know Nate Oates isn't going to like that, but a road league win is a road league win. And uh, you got Kansas State coming in here. Non-conference is the Big 12 SEC Challenge gets cranked up this weekend. Uh, is it safe to, to kind of dream about potentially an NCAA tournament bid for this team in Nate Oates' first season, Tim? You know, I, you know, I see people sort of, you know, complaining. And don't, don't, don't get me wrong, 25 turnovers is a lot. It's a lot in two games, really. So to have 25 in one game, the difference for me with this Alabama basketball team is almost every former Alabama basketball team that had 25 turnovers in Nashville against Vanderbilt would have lost by 13, 18 points. They won that game, like you said, start to finish, and still had 25 turnovers. I just, I think it's one of those, it's just one of those letdown games. You know, you played at a pretty high level. You play some pretty good competition. You're coming off pretty wired up. You know, I think that uh, they just didn't have a great game. And, again, they still won start to finish double digit. They put that 14-0 run on them. And, um, I mean, it, it was just game over. So, yeah, I think that with this guy, Nate Oates, I think he's doing a great job. And everything about Nate Oates when he was hired, all everyone, you know, across the board, old basketball contacts of mine, even NBA guy, everybody thinks the guy's a fantastic coach. And I don't think there's any doubt they are. The way the kids play, the way they 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 work together, the defense. He's he's obviously got them comfortable enough to shoot a three without their head dropping if they miss that three point. And there's a lot, you know. You have a coach that has that confidence in you, yeah. you know, sort of like O did with LSU this year. You were okay to make a mistake, 
And I think Nate Oates is along that line. It's okay to make a mistake. We just got to make up for it when we do. Um, but you see there's a certain freedom there, you know, a certain relaxation. Um, I think the team's definitely, you know, an NCAA bubble team right now. I think they're going to put, you know, my guess is the way they play, the consistency, probably don't have the depth you'd like. They get a lot of minutes out of those top five or six, seven guys. But um, I think they're I think they're a legitimate basketball team. Yeah, they're fun to watch, too. They man. are. Absolutely. Um, they score 77 points last night. And you're like, well, damn, the offense didn't really get it going, you know. I mean, but they still scored 77 points. And that's with 25 turnovers. They scored 77 points. Yes. And, you know, even early, you know, early in the season when they lost, started out two and four, even the games they lost, they were fun and they were competitive. And they lost a tough one with a the free throw in and out, you know, with, with the uh, Kyra, but I mean, dude, that guy, Kyra, that kid just can play, you yeah. know, Patty, you know, Patty, Kyra, there's so many guys that feed off each other. They take their role. They run with it. Just a fan, you know, just a really good job. I, I, I had a speech last night in Mobile and I watched that game on the way home and it was, it was entertaining. I mean, it was definitely frustrating, um, you know, with the turnovers, but you know, again, you know, you're going to have those nights, you're going to have those nights where you've lost your focus and you just can't get up. You know, for the for the for that 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 opponent that night, but to win it by 15, I think most teams will take that. Yeah, a couple of things working in Kyra Lewis and John Petty's favor. Uh, their coach, I I believe, genuinely has confidence in them. But you said it, there, there's not enough depth there. So even if you do combine like they did last night for 13 turnovers, you're still going to play 35 minutes, which both did in the game as well. And no, Nate Oates seems like one of those coaches, Tim, that he's more likely to sit you for lack of effort. Like if you don't get back on defense or you sort of just haphazardly play on, on that, that end of the court, that's when he's going to get you out of games. If you go, if you go Oh, for four, Oh, for five to start a game from three, he's not going to sit you um, in, in that scenario as much. No, and I think you see that. He, I think he also sees it on the defensive end of the floor. And, um, you know, he sees the effort they're giving. And, look, you can try your best and just have an off night. You could be playing great, great basketball and just can't get a bucket. But you can still chip in with defense and rebounds and uh, everything else. And I think, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think a lack of effort, a bad attitude, I think his, you know, he could play with four. He could, uh, he could, he could, uh, he could put his team on the floor with four players under that circumstance. But I don't think missing – you know, missing a jump shot or coming out cold is going to be something that puts them on the bench. There's, you know, those a lot of last night they were just pressing. They were trying to make plays. They were trying to get loose. They were trying to be a little fancy. Um, it, it wasn't lazy turnovers. It was, you know, it was trying to make something happen. And that's going to happen on some nights. Yeah, I think Nate's got some Norm Dale in him from uh, Hoosiers. You're right. A little Hickory think, Hoosiers in him. I think, he, I think if you gave him and just assumed something, I think he'd put you back in your place. I, you know, that's what I saw with, you know, with – Petty and Kyra, they played hard all night. They, you know, they yeah. did have team turnovers. They did have some mistakes. A couple of them were just trying to be too fancy. Um, but they were trying to make things happen, and they played good defense. And you know, Kyra, I mean, he, he controlled the pace of that game several times last night. And you know, between the two of them, they had almost 20. You know, I think they had almost 20 uh, rebounds, 18 rebounds, or something like that. So yeah, that's, they they definitely did their work. Yeah, everybody goes to the glass, especially on the defensive end, it looks like, for this Alabama team. A downside from that win last night, JV and Davis, the post, went down with what looked to be a knee injury. Uh, I think we'll learn more about his status moving forward. And as we talked about, depth already an issue 
for this team. And when you look at the post, you're looking at Alex Reese, Galen Smith, uh, and Javian Davis, and that's pretty much it. So if you lose Davis for an extended stretch, uh, and they, they have no problem playing small. We know that. Herb Jones gives you some some flexibility there, a luxury that most teams don't have, and that he's six seven, six eight, but has length and uh, can defend just about uh, pretty much one through five. But uh, we'll see how that goes as well. K-State coming up here next on Saturday in Tuscaloosa at Coleman Coliseum. Uh, K-State, not sure if you saw that, Tim. Uh, Good. The Battle Royal there in Lawrence, Kansas on Tuesday night. You know, it, it kills me that the guy that got Kansas in trouble last year, the, what's his name, De La Souza, is yeah. being, and he's out there to hit people, you know, try to hit people in the head with chairs, and Alabama's got a kid that should be eligible with the NCAA and playing for Alabama right now. But this kid's playing, and Alabama's guy's not. It, it blows my mind. I mean, Will, really, Wade, Will Wade's coaching. I mean, I mean it's, it's it, on it a wiretap. It blows my mind. I mean, this, I mean, and then for the kid to get a second chance and do this, and he's been a disappointment. I don't even think he's averaging three and three. No. Uh, To pick, dude, you're six foot ten. If you, it's, look, I'm five, eight, five, nine. If I hit anybody with a chair, that velocity, I'm not driving a hammer. I'm not driving a nail into wood. If you're six, ten and hit a man laying on the ground with a chair, that's WWE stuff. Oh, yeah. No, that that's ECW. Is, that is break a that's, back. That's, that's, break that's a, ECW old school. That is break that is. back, break a neck. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. And Bill Self, that program, and I don't want to get on some soapbox, but, I mean, from the – Get up you know, there. The, get up there, Tim. Get on it. I mean, I'll get up on that stripper pole like he had at Midnight <laughs> Madness. How about I get up there? He didn't know Snoop Doggy Dog was in there. I didn't know Bill Self was gangster, but he, uh, he, he kind of is, man. I mean – well, he's trying to be, but I mean, and to say, I didn't know they were bringing. You didn't see those big, long-ass metal poles they were dragging on the basketball court. You never oh, yeah. wanted before. Yeah. Come yeah. on, man. Snoop, the whole thing, man. I'm surprised he only got 12 games, to be honest. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You know? Yeah, and uh, it looks like the the primary combatant for K State in the whole thing uh, is a guy that's only played two minutes all season. So, yeah. uh, I, look, I don't have a problem with K State defending their guy when somebody's no. standing over you. Yeah, that was I pretty mean, bad. And, and look, that was more than a stand and look and walk away. He oh, was, that was that was menacing. Yes, yeah. he was not leaving. I mean, he uh-uh. was standing there till that kid got up. So that guy moved him off of him. And then, you right. know, the guy swinging and picking up chairs and every band member. Now, at Kansas, every every band member at Kansas is in the transfer portal. I saw their faces <laughs> and the mascot. He's laying the egg and he's on the other side of the baseline. He's holding a lot his, of a lot of those kids who grew up in uh, rural Kansas not used to that type of action, that type no, of business. Uh, it's been a, it's been a right busy there. year. They've had a barroom brawl and they've had been at a strip club when they're trying to go to 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 uh, basketball games. So it's been yeah. a been a weird year for them. But yeah, yeah that was something else. Eye opening. It's been an eye opening experience for some kids from Topeka, I'd say for sure. <laughs> this basketball season. Antonio Gordon, by the way. 
also suspended for K-State. He does play. He played six minutes in the loss to Kansas on Tuesday night. Uh, He will be out for Saturday's game against Alabama as a part of his three-game suspension for Bruce Weber's team. Um, We got to touch on Zion. Zion made the debut down in your sort of secondary hometown, right, of New Orleans last night. And watching the coverage, man, that was what that city needed that, Tim. After the Saints' disappointment there early in the playoffs and Zion not being available for pretty much the first half of the season. And then it looks like it's going to be a rather subdued debut for him. Didn't look like much was going to happen. And then lo and behold, he hits this three-minute stretch last night where he goes for 17, hits four or four from three, and the Smoothie Center, uh, it, uh, it, it comes to life down there in New Orleans. He went absolutely nuts. I mean, for like that little segment, the poor guy, he's on a time, he's on a timeshare. He's limited on when he can play, when he can't play. And he comes out after he puts him in the lead. Very cold. Get for you know, for the game itself, it was awful. It was everybody was distracted. The Pelicans were cold. It was a big game for them too, trying to get back Spurs in the playoffs. Aren't the Spurs anymore? Yeah, yeah they, but I tell you what, Pop came in in that first half. That dude. <laughs> That dude could coach, you know, his game plan was to double Zion. Everybody was like, Zion's timid and scared. No, he was getting constantly double teamed. And uh, finally, that, you know, he got in that fourth quarter and he said, come double team me outside the arch and let's see what happens. And he hit four threes. Uh, I think I read he accounted for 21 straight points, two assists and 17 points. So amazing to watch. Good for basketball. You know, you need those guys and. There's a kid over there, John Morant's over there at Memphis. Nobody's getting a chance to watch him except basketball people that love basketball. Um, and that kid's just tearing up the NBA. They, watch. The NBA yeah. needs to do a better job of getting these young guys that are going to carry the future of their programs. LeBron and them get older. They're, they are older. They're, you know, they're heading on down the road, Kevin Durant and all these guys. They need to get a better job of letting people get on board with John Morant. Our kids should be wanting those. You know the deal, though. You know the deal, though, Tim. They're not in New York. They're not in Chicago. They're not in L.A. They're in Memphis and New Orleans in the South, you know? No, I agree. It's tough it's, down here, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's just short-sighted. They need to be on more national games, mm-hmm. and you need to see these guys because they're exciting. People that I don't – people that don't um, – I mean, I'm an NBA guy. I know me and you, we watch just about every sport, but I know people that don't even watch the NBA that were – I was waking up to Happy Zion Day, and you know, I had <laughs> I had friends of mine hyped. They were excited that they were going to get a chance to see Zion. So that's yeah. that's you need that you need that for the NBA. And that guy John Morant's doing, you know, he's having one of the best rookie years I've ever seen, and nobody's talking about, you know, but the most NBA purists I know. So uh, Zion doesn't turn twenty until July, by the way. He's a so, I mean, thing is that this guy, when you watch him, we went to I took the. Family to a Pelicans game at Christmas, and to tell you how young he is, I was watching. They were in the huddle, and they had, and we might have discussed this, but they had all these older ladies and men doing uh, some uh, R&B dances out on the court. It was awesome. They were all wearing these gold uniforms, and they were jamming. Everybody was watching them. They were in the huddle, at, you know, on a break, and I looked up, and Zion was not watching the huddle. He was looking at the people dancing, smiling, and nodding his head. That's how young he is. He's not even he's not even in the huddle. He's worried about the people dancing. So yeah. Just hope the guy can stay healthy, man. 
He is. You know, I saw him. I saw all this discussion about his weight. Um, I saw all the discussion about his weight, but I mean, he's always, you know, Jerry Meyer, who worked for us, who's our national basketball analyst, you know, former coach. His dad was a coach. I trust his opinion more than anybody. You know, I saw him tweet last night that everybody's talking about his weight, but he's always been big like this since his junior year in high school. Some guys are just big. Charles Barkley wasn't meant to be skinny. You know, he wasn't meant to be slim. That's what he's supposed to look like. And I think that's what you're getting with Zion. But yeah, I mean, help, you know, it's a big issue for everybody, but. Could you see Zion as he matures more physically uh, and just chronologically? Could you see him body type wise resembling maybe more of a Sean Kemp uh, as he moves along? Because Sean Kemp was a big dude. Now, he wasn't as thick right now, I guess, as Zion is. But, man, when you talk about explosiveness at that size, that's it's kind of the guy that comes to mind for me, Tim. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you see those guys, and it's just sort of natural, you know, the, the athletic guys. I mean, they're going to have to develop that game. You know, it's like Magic Johnson, skinny Magic Johnson. He never took three-pointers. You know, a little chunkier Magic, as he got older, he would take the three-pointer. I think Zion's going to be that way. I mean, he's obviously going to be a big guy, and he's obviously going to, you know, he's obviously going to be a big, thick kid, and it ain't going to help living in New Orleans, I can assure you, as a guy that puts on 15 pounds in three days down there. So, um uh, yeah, he's got that work cut out for him. I don't think he's going to be like a tractor-trailer type situation because, you know, that kid, that guy was huge, you know, even at Michigan, and it, it fit the game that, you know, that, that he had. But, yeah, Sean, Sean was so – Sean's in rare air for me because I love that duo of Sean Kemp and, and Gary Payton. I don't know why more people – Love. Nobody, yeah. nobody gives Gary Payton the respect he due. That dude was a fearless competitor. I mean – in Jordan's face, it tip off in Jordan's face for 48 minutes. Uh, just a relentless defensive guy. Sean Kent was throwing down dunks. I mean, sticking his, you know, sticking his, you know, elbow down the rim. I mean, that was a fun Seattle team to watch. So Kent's rare air for me when it comes to dunks. He's probably one of the best. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we just discussed in this game before. dunker in, in, yeah. in transition off a pass. He's one of the best dunkers I've ever seen. So yeah, Zion's got that explosion too. Zion is a hangover cure in New Orleans right now, again, for the Saints. But not only that, the departure of Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, much needed. Zion's arrival and the excitement that his debut, late especially last night, created. Hey, Tim, we're jumping around here a little bit on T. Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast. This one, a Thursday edition here in late January Let's get into some Alabama Heisman candidates for 2020. If you had to come up with a list of two or three off the top of your head, how would you have that list? How would you have that order right now as we look ahead to to the uh, to the next season and understanding really, I guess, as much as anything, what the award has become? And it's it's quarterback centric, man, because when you look at any other position in this century, that has been home to Heisman Trophy winners, it's been running backs, really. And the two running backs that are recognized by the Heisman Trust as winners in this century, both from Alabama, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry, Reggie Bush had his in 2005 vacated, which I think in retrospect looks pretty petty, pretty dumb now. Give Give the man his trophy. Give that man his Heisman. Come on. Cut the crap. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. You know, for me, it's not, you know, it seemed more diverse when we were younger. I mean, you would have, uh, who was it, Hugh Green from Pittsburgh finished second. Was that his name? You remember him? Derek Thomas was a Derek, finalist. You Derek know? Thomas. We had guys. It wasn't all. It's become so cookie cutter. Charles Woodson would be, you know, would be a guy that was up there. They respected those guys. You'd, you'd see DBs up there and, you know, you'd see those guys, those athletes. For me, the most exciting player next year at Alabama is going to be Jalen Waddle, without a doubt. And yeah. you, know, you take away those those looks that uh, that Ruggs got and Jerry Judy got, those a lot big portion of that are going to go to Waddle, and obviously Smitty's going to have a good year. Smitty's not as sexy, though. He's, in, he's NFL sexy. You know, he's that NFL wide receiver you look for. He's so smooth. He's so quiet. You know, like we said last year, nobody even talked about Smitty. He's a lead. He's a lead receiver, a stats guy on the on the on the Alabama team. But Waddle, he's got that sexy. He can flip that. He can flip that field, and he can, you know, you know, he's going to take some passes a long way. He's going to return kickoffs. He's going to return punts. He's a guy. I think if there's a strong push and a good early start, and they'll have some eyes on him this year, right out of the gate with USC and Georgia coming in first few games, they're going to have a lot of eyes on him. And that's the key to winning a Heisman is getting yeah. out in front of it. You know, and then trying to maintain it the rest of the year. So Waddle's a guy. Obviously, I don't think you can run out Najee Harris. Um, I mean, they're going to start right with you know the you know the two leaders out of the you know clubhouse are going to be uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. It's not going to really matter um, exactly what they do, but I mean, those would be my top two guys. I don't see one of the Alabama quarterbacks jumping into the mix right Bryce away. Bryce Young. Bryce Young is a freshman, Tim. I don't think I don't think we can see that. I'm still not convinced he's gonna. Yeah, you know, January, I, it's it's hard to do that. I just think it's gonna be. I think Bryce's best football is gonna be in the second half of his freshman year than his first half. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot to overcome with Mac Jones. You know, he's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot to prove. Is is all freshmen do, but especially at the quarterback position, can he protect the ball? Does he know the offense? And I, and, you know, me, I'm a huge fan of Bryce Young, obviously, and I, I think he can do all that. But he, you know, it's one thing to think and one thing to see it. So, so Jalen pretty much going to have to try to ride that Desmond Howard ticket, right? Remember how Desmond won it up there at Michigan? Rocket Ismail years ago at Notre Dame, having that ability in the return game to go along with what he's going to do on offense. And, you know, I think Jalen Tim could be one of these guys in 2020 that you see line up at a number of different positions on offense. You can play him outside. You can play him in the slot. Why not line him up in the backfield on occasion? I, you know? I was going to say that. Even the Wildcat. I don't see why you couldn't put him back there. I mean, it's – Wait a minute sure. now. That's Slade Bolden's gig. Easy, Tim. Easy. The thing is, when Slade's in there, you kind of know he's running. So it's not like <laughs> you really – yard. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of – you know, you're kind of – so when you put Waddle in – and I'm of the opinion I don't I've never seen Jalen Waddle throw a football, but I bet he can throw that thing 18 yards. I'll yeah. bet you he could if he wanted to. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean you could put him in there. You could put Slade and him in the back backfield and create a little drama if you wanted to. There's a lot of options with a guy like Waddle. Uh, good speed, good quickness. He's got that wiggle. He's got terrific hands. I mean I think you're facing an uphill battle like you said for any Heisman. And Alabama is not one of these schools that are sending out these major Heisman pushes. I mean, we saw, we saw the kids didn't do it for Tua. They didn't do it for Tua. They're going to do it for a true freshman. I mean, they just didn't do it. I mean, even for Ingram, you know, Ingram, Uh, Ingram, we looked up, Ingram was, you know, easily the best running back. And all of a sudden this kid from Stanford, you know, what was his name? Toby Gerhardt. Oh, Toby Gerhardt. Oh gosh. He's so good. He's going to be great in the NFL. Toby Braveheart. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, all of a sudden Stanford had this huge push, and all of a sudden he was the, you know, he was gaining more ground than he should have. Obviously Ingram was a lot better running back and 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 had a, had a better year than him that year. But there was a push so that comes in handy. The politics, and you got to remember, you got old heads voting that didn't even see a game this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just reading like, holy, look at this brochure. Jalen you know, helped himself down the stretch too, Tim. In the month of November, the guy scored seven touchdowns. Oh yeah. And every everybody watches the Iron Bowl. Right. And he goes for four touchdowns in that game. I, I that that foundation, kind of a springboard, has to help him, doesn't it? Yeah, I just think you know for, for me, that's the kind of guy I want to see the Heisman. Nothing against uh, Peyton Manning. Nothing against you know you know Bradford and all these quarterbacks who run it. Nothing against them, but I've seen a million of those in my lifetime. I've not seen a million Troy trophies. Smith of Ohio State. Yeah, you know? I have not seen a million Deion Sanders. I have not seen a million Jalen Waddles. I have not seen Charles Woodson. You know, a ton of Charles Woodson. That to me is a different element. Football players. No. Yes, yeah, guys. Players. Guys, I'll pay to see. I've seen a lot of good quarterbacks that could throw to throw a football, but you know Joe Burrow to me was different than a lot of the guys we're talking about. Cam Newton was different. Those guys impacted the game at such a high level. I have no problem. They were the guy I wanted to see in each game they played. So you know, we I- talked about some Alabama running backs, Tim. Uh, wanted to ask you about Burton Burns uh, taking over as running backs coach at the universe, uh, excuse me, at, at, with the New York Giants. Uh, you, know, you talk about lifers, Tim. I mean, that's pretty much about it, right, for Saban's first first uh staff i mean yeah, that was I mean, it's, Burton it's, was that dude yeah i mean yeah you can pour one out for that staff and what an epic staff i mean there'll be guys did so great um burton burns is a good coach i mean obviously he knows what he's doing it's not you know it was too simple for the people that say anybody could have coached those running backs there's these guys still talk about burton burns they love burton burns he did a good job he did a great job Coach, you know, I'm happy. You know, the NFL is different. You know, at Alabama, it starts with recruiting. And how well do you recruit? How well do you get on the road? And as you get older, it's just recruiting for recruiting coaches. It's just like me and you. Me and you don't go out like we used to 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Our bet, you know, I, you know, I smoke at a club last night. A lot of guys our age, and they were you know, they were out by 8 o'clock. You know, they had a yeah. good barbecue in them, a good bourbon in them. You know, I made them laugh two or three times, told them this class was really good, and they were ready to get the heck out of there. So um, a younger crowd, I'd have been out until 1030 asking, you know, asking me a billion questions. So um, I think it's just human nature when you recruit. You don't want to go out as much. You know, your kids get older. You know, you know, you know, adult dads don't admit it, but when they're young, we don't really like the kids. They're needy. They whiny. They need, you know. They're Burton always had up been up. through. Burton had yeah. been through some physical issues the last right. couple of years too, I with mean, the hips and amazing. knees. And age is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a biatch. So you, you know? go to the NFL where you get four or five weeks off in a row. The schedule's different. There's not a lot of contact. Um, the players are professional, and you know, again, you don't have to babysit them. You don't have to worry about them getting, you know, you know, homesick or mad about playing time. That's that's between their agent and whoever. So you get to just go up there and coach. You know, he gets to go up there and coach. And I think he's going to be great. And I personally think Saquon Barkley's really lucky to have a chance to work with him. And I know Saquon's a great talent, but when you get a guy with Burton Burns and his experience, knowing the kind of guy Saquon Barkley appears to be, he's going to love a guy like Burton Burns. He's going to respect him. Initially, at least, with Saban coming in here, how big was Burton 
maybe in Louisiana, New Orleans, uh, and, and getting that movement going. Obviously, Nick had been there before, you know, with LSU, but, you know, Burton, obviously, with, with uh, some deep ties, I would think, to help kickstart that. Yeah, he just had such great relationships down there. You know, Burton's from that New Orleans, or, you know, from that New Orleans area, and, um, you know, those, you know, people in New Orleans, rec, you know, they understand who's from New Orleans and who isn't. So, obviously, a lot of credibility went with Burton. Um, I remember talking to Burton once, you know, like you said, we go to New Orleans a lot. I asked him where uh, where to eat, where he liked to eat. And he told me every old school New Orleans awesome place you would have thought he'd have told you. He did, He went straight down the list of the, the, the most famous places and the oldest old school places. So you sort of knew what kind of guy he was. Very original guy, um, a good guy, probably probably wanted to coach. You know, recruiting was just a little harder, as you said, with medical issues and the the pace, just the pace Alabama recruits at. So I think it's going to be a great fit, and the Giants, Giants are lucky to have him. Yeah, Bobby Williams and Burton were tight. You know, Bobby, the former Alabama staffer, and Bobby kind of has found a rebirth out there at Oregon with Mario Cristobal on that staff. That's been a nice move for him later in his career. Yeah, and you know, also, there's something where they, you know, they've got a little break from the recruiting, and they might have missed it. You know, sometimes you don't, you know, you don't know what you miss until it's gone. It's so, like being on tour if you're a musician. You know, I mean, the the road just becomes part of your DNA, I would think. Uh, uh, yeah, and you get that break and then you miss it. You know what I mean? You think that you were over it and you think, yeah, you think you, you needed a, you know, you didn't want to be on the road like that. And then you miss it because people that like the road, like I still, I know you're the same way. I love a good road trip. I love going to New York City for 10 days and, I love our upcoming trip to Europe. I love it. I just couldn't do it year round like you basically do it recruiting. What's that song? What's that song? I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. I think that sort of applies. You know, I think that sort of applies to all of us, us guys as we get older. Yeah, I got a couple of them coming up to Hawaii in about a three month span for the oldest. So, uh, not the road, but uh, it, it, it's going to be some some hauls, no doubt about it. It is T Watts and T R on the Built by Bama online podcast. Uh, Tim wanted to get into this mailbag, man. It's time to do it. We let love it. Start, let me start from my boy, Jam Bama. We forgot him last week. Okay. And, and he wants to talk about the Africam. And there you go. The Africam, the Africam was so awesome. When we were, you know, it was back in that Tebow, Andre Smith days, and the guys would stay up all friggin' night. I don't know if they had jobs. I don't know what was going on, but we'd be up all night doing the dumbest stuff, waiting on news, even, you know, 12, 1 o'clock at night, like some scoop's going <laughs> to break. We had that African. You go over there, you click on that live link, and you're in Africa, and you're watching, and they've got, you know, now they've got more cameras than they did then, but now they've got, you know, six or seven or whatever they've got, and they got them in different areas. They had one on a watering hole. You'd see hippos. You'd get excited. You'd see a family of elephants. You would see cheetahs, baby cheetahs. They just had that camera posted to that one area, and everybody would be minding their business. It would be Tuesday night. Probably the night's winding down. The board's gotten a lot slower, and somebody would say, hey, Africam, we got hippos. And, I mean, people <laughs> – I don't know how many, how many people we sent there. I know we help their, uh, their numbers every week, but we send people over there. And, it, I mean, it's – and it's, it's made a revival, especially with the young guys. You know, the older guys, we knew about it. We were doing it forever. This thing started popping up, and some people that had never been familiar with Africam is now familiar with it. So it's popping up. I mean, it, it happened around the signing period 
basically while people are waiting for news, they're also watching for cheetahs. And to be honest, I mean, we're probably watching for a crocodile to eat a baby deer. We're not admitting it, but that's we're looking for we're looking for some savagery or something really cool in Africa. So I promised him I'd mention this week. We skipped over it last week. Yeah, the Africam has kind of become generational, being passed down now, almost like uh, like the Grateful Dead or something. You know, I, I mean, uh, people, love, people love animals. They do. Oh, they yeah. love to watch animals. People are stupid about animals. They think they can pet lions they think they can hug a panda bear look at yellowstone every year i saw a guy in china crawl in is in asia i don't know if it's in china he crawled in a damn uh zoo pen to get in there with a panda ron burgundy style trying to hug it and this thing locked up on him like a damn leech (laughs) on a on a hamstring and it was dead gone gnawing on his leg like a kentucky fried chicken chicken bone and the they had a security camera, but nobody was watching it for like three minutes. My dude was in there wrestling with a panda. And by the way, those animals, for, I've argued with grown men who tell me they can outrun a hippo. These same yeah. men beat me to the mailbox. I you beat, know what I call that? I call that uh, natural selection. Is yeah, what I call that. That's, that's, yeah. just, that's just nature doing what needs to be done. I got guys that can't beat me to the front of the line out of the car from Crystal's telling me they're going to outrun a hippo. <laughs> You're not outrunning a sloth. It's going to run. You know, people think they can outrun alligators, too. Yeah. And they don't realize that gators can get it now. They, a, ga- they, a gator in the 40 can run a 40. Now, what a gator can't do is the three-cone drill. That's why you, if a gator ever chases you, you got to zigzag. you got to go left and right. That's not his thing. But if you just want to go straight line 40, gator will run with you all day long. If gator chases me, I'm going to have to figure out how the hell he got in my house. Because I sure ain't going in his house. I've lived places where I've had 12-footers right in the backyard. So uh, it, 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 it's quite different. There's no doubt about it. Or they're out in the middle of a, of a neighborhood street holding up traffic. Yeah, it's, it's a different way of life, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, Tim, we've got Bama Man for JC here in the mailbag thread asking about A-Day with the renovations to Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, he or uh, he is Bama man, so it's a he. I've heard there is a possibility of A Day being moved, but is, that is just message board rumors. Do we have any thoughts on that? You know, I haven't heard anything strong about A Day being moved. Uh, haven't heard anything from UA on a, from an official stance on that. Uh, when it did start to sort of unfold and 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 we saw what was going to happen. Uh, there at Bryant-Denny with the renovations. You wondered about that a little bit. Possibly you could go to Birmingham maybe to the old gray lady one more time. But, you know, I haven't heard anything about that, Bama man, in terms of the game, the scrimmage being moved. So my expectation right now is that uh, they're going to kind of work around it. You know, they've done that in the past at Bryant-Denny in some springs where they've had construction and been able to work around that and uh, – still conduct 8A right there in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, that would be the preference because it's more than just the, the 8A game. you got all the events sure. uh, that, that, that are around it, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard anything one way or the other, but I've, you know, I've, I haven't really even looked into it. So um, I would think, and to me, this is the biggest. You know, I've told a lot of people, this is one of the biggest, most fun 8As I think you can go to. Sure. I mean, you're going to get a smorgasbord, a belly, belly full of, you know, I mean, you know, the, the 13, 12 or 13 early enrollees from the this 2020 class, you're going to get a look at Bryce Young. 
you'll get a look at Drew Sanders, a lot of big name recruits, and also a lot of guys from last year that are going to have more of a chance to step up. Plus, you got the quarterback battle. You're going to get to see Trey Sanders for the first time, hopefully. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on this year. And I haven't been to A-Day in a few years, but I'll probably take the family down there if the schedule allows and uh, and check it out. I think there's a lot of excitement. So, yeah, I think they I think they know that, too. So I think it'll work out. I think they'll do what's best. Yeah, you've got the ceremonial type stuff at, at Denny Chimes every year. Um, you, you're going to do everything you can. To, to make sure you're able to to have that that uh, that event uh, in Tuscaloosa. Saban 18 in the thread. Best barbecue in T-Town. Archibald's or Dreamland, Tim? I don't eat it as much as you probably do, but I've eaten them both. I love, if, if I'm eating, it's Dreamland for me, I'll be honest. I love going back to Dreamland and sitting there and eating. I love eating inside, outside. Um I love the sauce that they put on it. Just, I mean, we'll get those when we come through. And a lot of times we're coming back from New Orleans and we will, we will hit that, have it for dinner. You know, because you go to New Orleans, you're eating a lot of rich, you know, Creole food, Cajun food. Ribs really, really come in handy for a couple of days cleanse. And you can get those ribs from Dreamland. Those things are good for a week. I'll tell you, know, you man. They don't make I, them a week, but they're good for a week. I get to go both here because it's probably taboo, but this is for me if we're just talking about Archibald's and dreamland and, and I'm not one of these people that go running hard for one or the other, they're both really good. Okay. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. the ribs from Archibald's, I don't need anything on them. They're so good. I don't need any sauce, but if I'm going to sauce them, I'll put dreamland sauce on Archibald's ribs. And that is the one, two punch. And again, I'm not going to take a strong stance because look, I grew up in North Florida. Okay. So we we didn't have barbecue like we have here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, so I'm good with either. Archibald's Dreamway, I love Who's Barbecue here in Tuscaloosa. If you hadn't had that before, it's a great full-service barbecue. Jim's on Highway 82 between, say, like Centerville and Montgomery, that's some of the very best uh, full-service barbecue you can get anywhere. I, I just, hey, I, I appreciate good barbecue regardless of where it comes from. I'm, I agree. I mean, you know, it's hard to really mess up barbecue. And I know some people do it better than others, but I can't remember many times. You know, I was talking about this with. Uh, but see, you grew up in Alabama. Like I that's, said, that's if true. you grew up in North Florida, I can, I can trust yeah. me, I can take you to some people that can screw up some barbecue, that, unfortunately. That's that. <laughs> I can, uh, that's sunnies. I had, sunnies. I, I can take you to. I had this date with a debate with a friend who all he eats is steak. He don't uh-huh. care if he's in Rome, Italy. He don't care if he's in New York, if he's in Nashville, he's in Bur- Everything is steak. And I pointed that out to him. Like, you know, there's a lot of good food in New York. I wouldn't necessarily go for a steak. I can get a good steak in many places. And so we were debating that. And I was thinking about the times my mom used to just, like, pull up a steak and throw it on a skillet and slap butter and salt and pepper on it. I'd kill it. You know, right. it's hard. It's hard. I and mean, some steaks obviously are better. I have not had the experience. That's true. I've always lived in the South. Um, all the barbecue places, even, yeah. even when I'm on the road, even when I'm on the road, uh, I'm, you know, when I'm eating barbecue, it's a research barbecue. So I, I know what I'm getting into. So that's a fair point. I don't know what it's like in, in say South Dakota. CCAC CAC 97 on the round table, Tim ask, and this gets back to sort of the recruiting discussion we promised to return to earlier. How many current Alabama commits are in actual jeopardy of not ending up in the class? Also, is Ennis Rakestraw 
the corner from Texas, who I believe is set to visit Alabama this weekend. Is he the real deal, Tim, in his rake straw? You know, I like him. And, you know, his stock goes up a lot because it's the late period. And, again, 80% of the of the class is signed. i tell you what I like about him. He's very quick twitch. He's got good size. He's got great instincts. Uh, he's got a little dog in him. He's faced some good competition, and he's battled. Now, the concern for me with him is he looks lean. I'd like to get a little better look. It's not a deal breaker, but he looks like a slim guy. Um, you know, when you look at him physically, that would be just nitpicking. Out of me, I think he's a take. Uh, I don't know if Alabama will have room in him. You know, the thing about saving with recruiting is he has the dominoes. He's got them set up. He'll have 14 guys for two spots. Now, <laughs> who gets those two spots? You probably have two to three, four guys that are getting a spot regardless. You know, best available. You know, you have those guys. I have some McKinley Jackson and Alfred Collins, the Texas defensive lineman. Um, you know, so they have some guys like that. Uh, so how those fall, you got to look at the grad transfer guy could take a spot. But I think Enos has a chance to be in this class for sure, depending on what happens with Collins. I think from a talent standpoint, he's really good. <clears throat> Again, he's a little slim, but I think he's a good cover guy, and he's proven himself to me. He's an underranked guy and a, uh, you know, a guy who definitely on the come up. And he's another of those guys that did a great job during his senior year, a good job by the Alabama staff finding him, you know, getting out there and offering him. <clears throat> We've got a question. I believe this one comes from Ronnie Bismuth on the roundtable. And he's asking about the show, The Outsider. Is that an HBO show? That's a new HBO show, I believe. Yeah. It's uh, and yeah. the potential of it. Could it be better than True Detective Season 3, which was really good and needed to be after Season 2, yes, in my it, opinion? Yes. To, to me, every <clears> – <throat> I guess I quit calling them series. I sort of call them like um, – what are they, miniseries? I mean, True, yeah. True Detective 1 had nothing to do with True Detective 2 and not really True Detective 3, but True Detective 1 sets the bar for me on any 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 acting and film and, and, and well-written show in that regard. So I think that's off the table. But 3 was really good. I agree with you. The Outsider is building into something, and I like what it, where it's going. I, mean, I got to check it out. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. And, the, you know, the misconception about Stephen King is that he only writes horror. He only writes gore. It's not true. He writes novels. He writes suspense. He writes books. And this one's building, especially as he got older. You know, again, you look, it's almost like look at a rock band. You know, the early Beatles are better than the older Beatles in a lot of ways. They're faster paced, harder hitting. The same with Elvis, the same with rap. You know, you can go to Eminem. Anybody's, when you're younger, you're edgier, you're hungry. When you're a multimillionaire and you had to wake up at 11 to cut this album, it's a little different. So uh, Stephen King's less edgy now than he was, but the suspense and the buildup is better than it's ever been. Um, so obviously, I think Kurt McNair just dime dropped some uh, post the other day. I don't know if you saw that this guy that did the screenplay is a friend of his. Wow. Kurt's always dropping some random. The, the eccentric like, Kurt McNair. Kirk yeah. is dropping stuff in casual conversation <laughs> that everybody else is tweeting and bragging about. I went in that. I said, low key, this is a friggin' epic post Kirk just casually dropped in this random post. Uh, BTW, yeah. by the way. On yeah. the round table. It's okay. Yeah. Kirk called me like, hey, you think it'd be a good idea to do a story about the time I watched the moon landing with Bear Bryant? <laughs> yeah, we I did a like, whole podcast on that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's a good novel, man. Yes, yeah, write a story, <laughs> Kurt. Kurt's the greatest guy. I got the best stories. Yeah. Um, so old school. But yeah, the, yeah. so Kurt knows the guy. 
I think you'd build up. Now, this could be one. Is Jason Bateman in this? Is this what he's is directing he it? Yes and no. He's okay. in it. not a primary guy, at least. Because I'm ready for Ozark, by the way. Yeah, I am ready. I'll tell you with this, The Outsider, what I wish I'd done. I wish I'd have binged it because waiting week to week is kind of is kind of in tag. I couldn't, you know, you know, of course, Netflix, all these places have spoiled us. But I wish I'd waited and watched all of these at once because the suspense is, you know, irritating me knowing where this is going. But I am excited. I am I am glad I have to wait. But I think it's definitely a show you want to check out. Absolutely. I'm going to have to do that. Hey, uh, Saber on the T. Watts and T.R. Roundtable mailbag, he wants to know if there are any gray shirt or blue shirt or whatever other color shirt they've come up with these days in terms of candidates for this class in 2020. Um and then we're going to get into some biscuit talk because that was uh, something I threw at him on this uh, mailbag thread as well. What about yeah. it, Tim, uh, from no, a gray I, shirt or blue shirt perspective? Any any possibilities for that? You know, you have a few guys. I mean, Alabama still – I saw another question. We'll touch on that too, that Alabama still has a couple guys. Jamil Burroughs, uh, defensive lineman from Georgia, and Javon Baker, wide receiver from Georgia, who are committed but didn't sign, have some ap- academic work to do. Jamil's in a little bit better shape, I think. There, Javon, both of them are really good football players, and Alabama did a great job in this in the state of Alabama. So there's a couple of guys to watch. As far as blue shirt, uh, Jason Jones from Calera, still part of the class at this point. I don't expect him to end up at Alabama, but he had a blue shirt offensive line uh, offer. I think he's went to Baylor. He's going up at Oregon. I don't see him staying in this class, but he might be dedicated enough to do it and come in down the road. Uh, I'm curious, and I've heard, you know, the blue shirt, the gray shirt, the whatever shirt is a touchy subject. And it's I'm, almost I've never become understood. a tie-dye. It's a tie-dye yeah, at this point. Absolutely. We're be, yeah, we're going to be into the, you know, the, the mauve shirt before long, but we're running out of colors. But they uh, – uh, Caden Carter's a guy I can speculate on with the injury that he might – you know, these things don't – you know, you come in a little bit later, we've seen them benefit a guy like, uh, you know, John Parker Wilson. You're getting basically an extra year – uh, to, to, to hone your craft and to get prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen guys that absolutely did that. Wasn't William Vallejo's the same way? I, I'm I not sure. Was, I don't. I remember yeah. that got a little drama late that there was some gray shirt talk with him and, and all that. And that was back when the gray shirt, you know, and it, it, to me, the gray shirt, when everybody's like, oh, God, he's just gray shirt. I kept saying, like, well, there was talk about Bradley Bozeman in that I regard, never, remember? I never and, the, under- and the guy's a starting offensive guard now in the National Football League. Yes, and a good one. And he, uh, I don't, I never understood the stigma attached to the gray no. shirt because it's a, that gray shirt, John Parker Wilson got the exact same scholarship Julio Jones did. Yeah. They just came in at different times. It's not a huge deal. So um, as far as blue shirt candidates, I'm curious, you know, Caden Clark's the uh, tight end from Texas. He hurt his, he, he hurt his knee pretty severely. Kid I really liked. I thought Alabama out. That yeah. kid, he's not going to show up high in the rankings. Again, he's not going to, when you look at all these other guys, Drew Sanders' tight end film, for instance, is a lot better. But for what they wanted from a tight end, Caden Clark nailed it. Big, strong, inline guys, you know, could catch the ball when he needed to. Tough, rugged, working hard. You know, you've seen a lot of success with the Preston Dial. You've seen Alabama have a lot of success. Brad Smelly, guys like that. Irv Smith was a three-star guy, you know? Yeah, Irv Smith was the other tight end in that class to Miller Forstall. I mean, that's And Miller's a good tight end. A really good player. Yeah. Had had injuries, but yeah, I mean. The thing is, the fans are so 
numb or so I don't know what the word would be, but they they they're so starstruck that I showed them the kid, the big Texas kid. I said Alabama was moving on this guy. He was a three star, and everybody poo pooed on him right away in the message board. And I said, watch his film. Kid's going to end up at Auburn, but he's a damn football player. He's a good football player. So there's a lot. I think we get lost in that he's not a four-star, he's not a five-star. But those stars are a little misleading because there's only 32 five-stars. So you can't even count them. Yeah. You go straight to the four. The, the, there's more 300 three-star people than four-stars and five-star combined. So all this, oh, he's a three-star in the NFL, well, no crap. We knew he's a pretty, you know, a lot of times these guys are pretty good players as three stars. So I wouldn't, you know, Caden's a guy I think could play. I don't know why I got off on the tangent. I think this call, <laughs> the Starbucks is kicking, kicking in. Um, uh, but, you know, I think Caden could be because of the injury. And, again, they don't really discuss that. That sort of goes down the line. And, and, you know, a lot of times, that you know, they have scenarios for every situation. If Alabama gets five guys they feel they might have to have, they have a scenario to get them all, you know, to, to get them all in. So, well, Tim, we're going to send you out of here with a biscuit to go along with that coffee uh, that you're that you're mainlining. I think right now um, <laughs> that was one of the topics for the for the uh, mailbag on the roundtable as a part of the T Watts and TR podcast on this Thursday. Uh, best restaurant chain biscuit going? Who you going with? I think I think we're Hardy's people. I think I think the family grew up on it. I think the family when when my wife and my kids go to get a biscuit, they always come back with the bacon, cheese, and egg biscuit. Always, I'm a I'm a biscuits and gravy guy. Yeah, me too. Sausage, sausage gravy. Yes, sausage gravy. You know, I always get a piece of sausage on the side and cut it up and add it to it. I like to I like to go a little. That's smart. That's a good play. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not expensive. You throw that thing in there, you throw it on top because you know the little bits. And the gravy are really tiny. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't, you they're really, really just pepper. They're yeah, not even probably sausage. Yeah, yeah, you can't get them between your teeth. But this way I can dole it out, spread it out, get a little bit on each bite. So definitely a Hardy's family, I think. You know, I grew up on the Hardy's biscuits. I, you know, I'm old enough. I think you are too that, man, when Hardy's came out with the breakfast biscuits, they were on the leading edge of that. It was uh, like mind-blowing. I mean, you, ran- couldn't, you couldn't hardly get through a Hardy's drive-thru. They in ran like me the late. I had so much detention because of a stupid Hardy's <laughs> ass biscuit, man. I was late all the time to school. Let's run by Hardy's, and that thing's wrapped around the dang building. That, like that's a, when McDonald's really got into the breakfast business. I, I think they, Hardy's. Thank God, Hardy's or we started have all ate. that. Yeah, yeah, thank God, or we wouldn't have ate that. That people talk about this Popeyes chicken sandwich. Well, that Hardy's biscuit. You and couldn't you get. You couldn't get it through the drive-through. Especially on a weekend. That, and not only that, when you went inside, there was yeah. always 30 old guys reading a yeah. paper and sipping coffee. And you could smoke. Exactly. And you it could was, smoke in yes, there. It was a social. The inside was busy. There wasn't no, like, you know, now you can go through a drive-thru. We're so lazy. If uh-huh. drive throughs crowded, if you hop out and go in, there's never anybody inside. Very, so you, you got that very distinct cat. memories yes, of walking yes. into a Hardee's in, like, 85 and it just being this sort of marriage of Marlboro's and uh fryer grease. That's what it, it, it's that's what you walked out smelling like. And there was cigarette people, smoke and fryer grease. There was one my dad was one of them. there were people oh, yeah. that go in there and spend two hours. They spend two hours in the morning there at Hardy. <laughs> like they get up Smoke early a pack and eat half a biscuit. Yes, once he retired <laughs> that was like, like I'm, 
Dad, how are you going to fill your day? Well, I know I'm going to spend two hours at Hardee's. I'll tell you what, man. I like that Bojangles, that uh, spicy chicken filet biscuit at Bojangles, I man. Kind of hard to beat. I've not had that. I'll definitely. Kind of hard to beat. Yeah. Man. Well, uh, Tim, I think we covered it. Just about all of it. What do you think? Yeah, I think we got it all in for for this week. Pretty pretty good week. A lot of action. A lot of, a lot of action coming up at BOL, don't we? This weekend. Yeah, we do. There's a they got visitors coming in. It's just you know the close of this class is going to be interesting to watch. I think Alabama fans should be pretty happy regardless of what happens. I mean, if they don't sign anybody else, it's been a great class. I said that early on. Um, I know a lot of drama. We got a lot of a lot of people caught up in the where's the tight end? I need the tight end. Where's that tight end? And Alabama staff never really hit that <laughs> hit that level. So I think overall this class has been fantastic. Oddly, I you know. They really are the cherry on top, the gravy on top, whatever you want to call it. They really are at that point of trying to just finish off this class with a couple of great, you know, great players to go with what they've got. And it's a consistent class. It is. It's a high character, hard work. And I mean, you have 13, 14 guys coming in early. That's a lot. Yeah. A lot of it early is. employees, man. That's a lot of guys dedicated to, to football. They're skipping prom. They're skipping a lot of their high school senior season. You know, their football season was over they were going to be the clowns going to the baseball game and heckling the other kids yeah you know and they, they also that. they also get out of that sivanettes winter formal that our our youngest has saturday night so that's that's probably a yeah. good move that's, by a lot of those guys too that's probably yeah. what yeah that their mom making them go <laughs> that's probably the motivation they don't yeah. have to worry about that coming up uh, in the second half of that senior year and you mentioned tight ends I broke down the tight end position at Alabama uh, a couple days ago right here on BamaOnline.com and look it's not a numbers thing they've got scholarship tight ends they just need a couple of these guys uh, to, to, to step forward Jalil Billingsley Major Tennyson still around Cameron Latou after making the move from outside linebacker uh, they, they've got some numbers they just need a they need a they need a couple guys to move up. Step and I forward. think if you're looking for a guy Billingsley, when you're looking for an upside, yeah. guy, we know what he was when they signed him. We, we know what they were. He knew he was a he's a really good athlete. He was a little bit of a project. We More knew of an age. He, yeah. Yeah, we knew he would have to get used to doing the stuff he had never done before, blocking to you know begin with. Um, right. You know, at the high school level, a guy like that's just a big wide receiver. He's basically the Chicago's version of Julio Jones. You know, there's no, you know, he can line up anywhere. But Alabama, he's got to protect and he's got to do all those little things. And there's a learning curve there. But physically, there's a lot to be excited with him. And, you know, you know, you know, uh, they got guys that can do some stuff. Tight end's not going to be the difference between the national championship and not for Alabama. Not with that offense next year. Not with. Need to keep, need to keep Forrest all healthy. And that's been a challenge. That's a, that was a huge. I mean, that guy's yeah. a good player. But when you look at it, 80 percent of the offensive lines back. Bryce or Max probably going to be a quarterback. You look at Smitty and Jalen out wide. You got Najee, Najee Harris, Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders. Yeah. You got so much. You got plenty enough to win. It's not going to come down to whether or not they've got a you know they've got a tight end you know with 68 catches for a thousand yards. Yeah. It's linebacker both outside and inside, and a little bit of that secondary uh, that you probably need to worry about more than anything if you're an Alabama fan where your 2020 title chances are concerned. Well, Tim, we'll get out of here, man, but uh, we'll definitely be hanging around the roundtable and BamaOnline.com. No doubt about that. Fantastic. You guys keep asking us questions in that mailbag. Y'all get it. Y'all are getting interested. 
thing. <laughs> so there you go for Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on T Watts and TR, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, we would appreciate you subscribing to the Built by Bama online podcast. Maybe leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated. Until next week, we'll see you again on T Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.